Welcome to the Our Safe Harbor Church podcast. Here you can listen to our Sunday sermon, Monday morning message, and midweek Bible study. We hope you will consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, but please be sure to check out our website at www.OurSafeHarbor.com to learn more about us and find ways to get involved. Our Safe Harbor Church, we are with you wherever you are. Welcome back to the midweek Bible study. And, th- and we are right now in the throes of the Thanksgiving season. This is going to be posted the day before Thanksgiving. You may be viewing it years later, but that's the immediacy. And we want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. But we also want to love on those that have nowhere to go this time of year. You are not under obligation to feel bad. You're not un- under obligation to feel lonely. The world will try to make it that way with all the pictures they paint of what a Thanksgiving should look like and what the menu should look like. You don't have to play those games. You can enjoy your day. You can enjoy a day where uh, you can watch the Detroit Lions lose, which is a tradition, uh, or whatever you want to do. Don't let the world decide for you on what day you've got to feel lonely and bad, Mm. right? So... For the rest of you, happy Thanksgiving with family. Uh, Everybody loves, the two favorite things are when the family comes and then when the family goes. So, right? It's a great time. Hope you'll enjoy today. Uh, Our professor here, uh, Dr. Rick Hunter, is going to start us off by reading a story, which is a difficult story. It has caused so much pain for so many people, including myself, because of the phrasing and we look back at it from 2,000 years away and think, oh, I wish it had been said different. Mm-hmm. But Mark chapter 7, starting at verse uh, 24, if you could take that, brother. Well, beginning at verse number 24, from there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he entered a house and wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hidden. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, Let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumb. Then he said to her, For this saying, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. All right. We, we love miracles, but that's not what gets our attention. Uh, He went to the vicinity of Tyre. First of all, Jesus wasn't afraid to go among the non-Jews, the Gentiles. He wasn't afraid to eat with them, uh, drink with them. He wasn't afraid to be around them. And in the first century, you are who you eat with. So that was a big thing. Mm -hmm. But uh, he didn't want anybody to know it, which I find fascinating, but it's not really explained. And then he couldn't keep his presence secret. If you're wondering why you couldn't keep your... They lived on top of each other. And um, I'm going to put that up. We're good. 
um, we, they lived on top of each other. And you didn't have closed windows and closed doors like we do. And therefore, anytime you moved, people knew you were there. And so people would start to gather. As soon as she heard about him, this woman whose little daughter, that, that always gets me the word little. I, I have a daughter who has now grown up with her own family and doing wonderful. But I've, I noticed there was a difference every time I looked at my little girl as opposed to my little boy. Mm-hmm. With my little girl, my heart broke. With my little boy, I laughed. You know, he, he was going to be tough and rough and he's going to do it. But my little girl, I, you know, I see this big bad world. Well, she's a tough woman. She can handle the big world. And she's a Christian. But when I see that, my heart hits. And then she had an impure spirit. We don't know what that is. Um, The word impure, I don't think is actually in the Greek, is it? I think they put that in because of context. Most of the time, it'll talk about a spirit or an angel. And you have to get from the context whether it's good or bad. And this one is obviously an unwelcome one. And she asked God, uh, Jesus, to drive this demon out of her daughter. So first of all, here's a woman not in the covenant, not a Jew, and yet either in faith or desperation. And we've all had this in our lives where you tried all the doctors and now desperation. What do we do? And then he says something which seems incredibly insulting. What, what do we do with this response of Jesus? You know, we were talking about this earlier. Yeah. So, you know, I look at it and I say, well, he's calling them dogs. But you brought up that there are different words for dogs. And there might be a, a subtle meaning here. Can mm-hmm. you explain that? The, um, just like in many, many languages, well, in all languages, uh, um, when you translate out of one uh, into another, um, you have to be always aware of euphemisms. You have to be aware of parallels. You have to be aware. And that's in, in really one of the significant reasons why it's so important when translators start looking at texts like the Bible and trying to take it into a language. Um, just like we know, many times they have to live among the people, especially if it's a language where it's very isolated. And some I've read several occasions where parts of, of text have not even been translated because they cannot find parallels right. that keep it clear enough, you, you know, so they just have to do the best um, that they can. And unfortunately, we have to do the best that we can in working through things like this, too. Well, there's always data but, loss. Yes. In translation, there's always data yeah. loss. And the word that comes across dog here, I mean, any, anything that's talking about a dog, when it comes out of a language like Hebrew, when it comes to us, is we're going to hear a dog. Yes. Uh, whether it is a mongrel dog, because that's what we would say, you, you know, that little street dog, you know, mm-hmm. or that little scruffy looking, you know, thing. Or if we're in more rural areas, that wild dog, you know, or something of that, you know, or like even when we watch... Um, um, different, um, you know, Scientific America or National Geographic, stuff like that, when they're talking about different parts of the world, like in Africa, you hear a lot about the wild dog, right. which looks a lot of lo- like, you know, us hear about a wolf, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that's what we say, a wild dog, that would be no. Um, and at this time, um, there, there were house pets, you know, stuff like that. And, and they were kept, we know that, because he used the terminology uh, um, and... When he talks here um, about that, 
there's a meaning that he's getting to, and that um, that when he says here, um, you know, the um, let me see in verse number uh, 27. twenty-seven, and Jesus had to her, let, you know, let the children be filled first, but it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. That um, that the little dog that he's ref the little dog he's referring to, you know, is is the the dog outside the the mongrel, the the scavenger, because the one kept inside would have just been been dog, and so he's using a term that they were familiar with, but but that they would also know that is not what is of them. It's it's not like the house pet. It's not theirs by nature. It's the one outside in the streets. Um, that are roaming, that are lost, that have no detachment to anyone. But he's also, in the way he says it to the little dogs, he's showing, he's letting her know, or he's trying to put a, trying to put across. It's not the right way to say this. Christ is, you know, what is being put across is that this little dog may not be in the family now, but will be. So. Are there two different words? Um, for example, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Now there's, I like the NIV use of the term toss as in you don't care about the kids. And, and Jesus' primary mission was to Israel. Right? Mm. It was to, to the Jews. But then she replies, even the dogs under the table. So she's referring to pet dogs there mm -hmm. as opposed to the dogs you would throw the food mm -hmm. to, the children's food out in the street for them. And see, this surprised me. And we talked about this earlier. So uh, it surprised me that they had dogs as pets. But when you begin to think of it, he's in Tyre. He's not in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And so it would have been more, far more common to have inside dogs. I don't know what archaeology tells us about inside dogs among the Jews. Yeah. Well, the, dia the diaspora had been, had been, was growing and had been growing in, in as Jews started moving out, the, the strict traditions of their homeland and the strict traditions that they saw were starting to meld with traditions of other people. Um, I mean, there were still lines defined, but those things were, you know, it's just like when you move, you know, when you came from Colorado, you know, to, to here, there were certain things about the Rocky Mountains that, that, you know, that started, that came with you and stayed a little bit. And there's certain things about here that, that when you go back, you refer here that way. And that's just the reality, you know, of being life and the way that God built mm -hmm. us. Everywhere you go, you're going to take something with you, you and you're going to bring, bring something back. Yeah, and so that was, um, now I can't, <coughs> the historians on this text uh, um, they they let us know that the words were there, uh, the, the mongrel dog or something like that. But, but as far as going down and saying what kind, you know, and isolating it mm -hmm. out, they said we, you know, you we don't do that. We can't do it. But we do know this that that's what he was referring to. Okay. And the implications <laughs> of the text lets us know that he was leading her. He was leading her in. Um, he was guiding the, gar the argument. It looks like a blind insult, but the fact is he was leading her in, a, in an argument that was, how can we put this? <coughs> Excuse me. Arguments were entertainment back then and also ways of learning and ways of grouping and identifying. Uh, that's why 
you would have the people in Athens walking around finding a new argument. argument yeah. You know, this was, it wasn't, um, it wasn't like mobs in the streets. This was logic. This was unfolding of truth. And it came through disputation. So he's setting that up to her. Uh, and if you read, you noticed when he read, there were you know, little dogs mm -hmm. as a differentiation. Now, you don't always get that, but it's rather like the impure spirit. You get mm -hmm. it from the context. And this is more complicated than even translation. Because in translation, there's always data loss. And in looking back at another culture, there is always data loss. Because you cannot know. These people lived in a cultural bubble that was very complex. And they didn't feel a need to explain all of that mm -hmm. to people that were going to live 2,000 years later. So mm -hmm. it's one of those reminders. The Bible was written for us, but it wasn't written to us. Mm -hmm. Therefore, Peter's sermons, Mark writing them down, mm -hmm. didn't feel like they needed to footnote all of this. Mm -hmm. uh, but information was lost after the fall of Jerusalem, after the Jews scattered, the diaspora, after the 1,500 years of active Jewish persecution, this information was lost. Mm -hmm. And so we have to go back and, and pick it up. And sometimes when I get confused over something Jesus said, I have to remind myself who said it. It's Jesus. He's not going to be mean or dismissive. Mm -hmm. So he's doing something else here. Yeah. If, if, there, <laughs> if, if, uh, if there was the kind of cancel culture then yeah. uh, that is active, you know, now, uh, um, you, <laughs> you just can't, can't imagine, oh, they'd have been burning. Uh, mm -hmm. They'd have been burning. Well, they weren't all bound together at the time, so they'd have been burning leaflets or, yeah. you know, and putting people to the stakes. Um, and, that, um, and, and, and that is not to say that you don't need to have critique on things. That, I'm not saying that, but it, it would happen. It, and, and we're looking back in time, and, and the interesting and the neat thing about religion, especially the Bible, is that the warts and the foils and mm -hmm. the boggles and the bulges, everything is there for you to see uh, and, um, and to look at and to deal with in the text. And God knows that we needed it to be that way so we can always, you know, lie in ourselves. You know, we are wounded people. We are hurt people moving toward a perfect and whole God. Mm -hmm. And on that journey, we find ourselves hopefully getting better, you know, as we go on, but everybody to differing degrees. And God wants that because that's what the world does to us. It beats people up. Uh, um, some people would choose and spits out. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, just a wide variety. And so, um, and having to grapple with it is good for dialogue and discussion and understanding. Uh, and then to try to take it and say, okay, this is why I don't believe in the Bible and this is why I don't like, like God is to misunderstand that God was entering into, into culture. He was entering into this life and moving people along toward it. You know, and, and in that no place, you know, does he say, um, like we might say, you're a dog, you, you know, mm -hmm. you're the, and not, right. in, not in the good sense. I mean, okay, if I'm talking about a football player, you know, or something like that, and I'm going out to, to get one I want from my team, I want that dog over there right, right. there. You know, I want one that's going to, you know, get up in somebody's face, you know, that right. kind of stuff. You know, not as opposed to when you look at, and maybe many of us, that person.
person is worse than a dog. That person mm -hmm. is a low-down, mangy, this. That's another right. kind of thing. They may have done something worthy of it, uh, um, but we never, we're called by God never to damn people into anything permanently. Mm -hmm. uh, now, you can say you acted like a dog, but that's right. very different from saying it because we're not God. We don't know where that person's heart going to go. You, you know, you don't lock them in. Now, if they lock themselves in that cage and go with it, that's them. But it, yeah. but it's it's important to 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 keep that in mind and at times be able to not laugh at a person because of a thing but laugh with them you, you know what would yeah. I think if I was hearing that about me to you know yeah it's and by the way there there will be some people that will I don't want to look at the camera to make sure they hear this that will say something like well you're just saying. Jesus couldn't have meant it bad because you don't want Jesus to look bad. Yeah, that's part of it. But I want to ask another question. Why would I feel the need to state that I believe Jesus wasn't insulting this person? Because I, as I said, I remember who said it. I know it had to be leading toward a positive. And the answer is, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit will reveal to us, as we read, more and more. It, the, the book alone is not it. We, the book points us to Jesus. We learn about Jesus. And we look at this and we go, all right, that seems like a blue parakeet on the back porch. It doesn't belong. Now we've got to figure out why is it there and what's going on. Now her response, she says, Lord, but we have... I, no way of knowing if she's saying Lord is in I believe you're the Messiah or you seem to be an important fellow that heals people but she shows him respect and she goes even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs she's saying I'm not asking you to, to abandon your mission I'm not asking you to like Syrophoenicians better than Jews mm -hmm. I'm just saying is there anything left over for us exactly and I mean right there my heart breaks but the, I, I go back to, I'm starting a new series, by the way, of sermons um, that you would have, you need to go back. We started on the 19th, so just last Sunday, called The Always and Forever Messiah. And one of the sermons in December brings up when the angel of the Lord shows up, which is a different being. First time, Hagar, to a woman outside the covenant. In fact, the word Hagar means foreigner. We don't even know her real name. She was a slave in Egypt given away to Moses, uh, to Abraham and she's she's a nobody and that's who God appears to outside the covenant makes promises helps them out and uh, there come the Arabic people mm -hmm. you know from there so again God is interested in these people and Jesus's heart was hit with that do you have time for us you know I, I often remember Paul and it bothered me as this boy but he kept telling the Gentiles, you're saved and you're in, but don't think just because you're grafted in that you're better than the tree. Mm -hmm. And I think that humility sometimes we need to remember. You know, the Jews are our older brothers and sisters. They haven't accepted Christ uh, and that bothers us. But the respect we show still needs to be there. Um, but anyway, even the dogs. I'm talking too much. You got something you want to go with? Or? The... Um no, what what you're bringing up is is good because it, it, this is a part of these these parts of this text really have to be grappled. I mean, you, you know, it's, it's like you're, you're digging in with your fingernails and kind mm -hmm. of moving stuff around. 
because the spirit inside is, is still troubled over, I don't like the way this is, but there's another side that comes, but this is what God was doing. So mm -hmm. it's not about whether I like it or not. It's about maneuvering through it, getting to what the message is, um, and hopefully making sure that we don't polarize the message or that we don't let the message become watered down because we don't like it so you know, so much because certain people need to hear certain things a certain kind of way because that inspires them and then a certain group of them, it motivates them and helps them to understand, okay, this is what the situation was. Let's move it to where God wants us to go. But if I can, what, what is, what's going on here is, is really important. Verse 26, the, the woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth. And, she, and, and this is, in, remember, a New King James Version. And she kept asking him. She kept asking him. You remember the uh, the woman that was was mistreated that kept asking the king at, mm -hmm. at the gate, right. "When are you going to do something about this?" When he finally says, "The king," he said, "Okay, I'm going to respond and do it." Not because I think so much of you, and not be you know or this, that, and the other, you know, but but I'm going to do it, you know, simply because I'm the king. So that kind of thing keeps showing up in biblical text, and it lets us know that at this time or keeps reminding us that you know that women were at the at the back of the bus you know mm -hmm. women were had no no, no. voice yeah. not even a head count anything like that but when Christ shows up they're always a part of his economy that's amazing always exactly true it's yeah. stunning once you start looking at this exactly they're always a part of of his, a matter of fact the original you know, group that he pulls together always had women mm -hmm. in it. You know, we talk about the men because that was a cultural way to write at it. Now, the reason that we're, we're reading things the certain kind of way is something that falls under that thing of, of uh, uh, inspiration. You know, how was it? You know, and maybe we can do a, a, just one of these on that. Uh, I mean, because inspiration, depending on how you grew up and what denomination grew up, meant way different things than, mm -hmm. than it really, you know, uh, biblically that we find it to be. And we start casting people out and stuff or either saying it's not true because we don't understand how God worked in them through the spirit as he's talking to them and then how the spirit opened up stuff, which is very important, you know, to understanding how we apply the text. Uh, um, because sometimes, at least in our faith tradition that we came from, we certain texts that are written have no importance, although they're written just like the ones that have importance, because this one over here doesn't fit with what we want the end to be. Okay, And so in, in this particular text, the woman, she said he kept asking, and so that lets us know that there's some common movement, you know, not just a showing up and a happening, but there's something that, that we're not privy to in the text because we don't need to see, but, but there was some around because she kept asking, and, and, and that gives a sense that not just maybe in this period, in this moment, but mm -hmm. she's been asking because, and remember, at this time, not even Jewish women had access to study and understanding, and so the women that were around Jesus were different I'm not saying different group as in God created them special. They were different. You, you know. Jesus elevated them yeah, yeah. by allowing them to have a rabbi and be in the presence. Exactly. Now, this woman then most likely had been following Jesus and followed him into the house. And that's something we don't get. Yeah. Because he wouldn't have gone into, a Syrophoenician would not have gone into the wrong house. 
although this is tired. Exactly. Um, she must have been begging him through the streets. He gets into the house. She may have been attracting the crowd that then finds Jesus is in the house because of that persistence thing. Yeah, and she believes. And she believes. She, she, she has some faith here that, that whatever's been going on with my daughter, she's not getting any better, and, which is a theme in these miracles. Mm -hmm. It's either happening. But you can. You know, you, I'm not giving up on you because I know. So she had seen something. She understood something. She heard something. But it was enough to invest herself in, which that theme is going to come up. If we may, it may come up, in, you know, before we finish this discussion or in the next discussion for, the, you know, the, the next post that we have. Mm -hmm. and he says, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. And again, I'm not a Greek expert at all. In fact, I'm not even a Greek novice. I just find people that know this stuff. But I, I'm very intrigued by the tense, as in, I've already taken care of it. So this exchange was for the listeners. It wasn't required for Jesus to heal her daughter. There's something going on in this exchange that the listeners were supposed to learn from. And... Um, I believe that it will come and it'll come back around this lesson in chapter 8 when he feeds the 4,000. And that idea of persistence and trust. Mm -hmm. He's going to do well. Jesus couldn't get knocked off his primary mission. That was true. But constantly he brings in like Samaritan woman, mm -hmm. uh, the Roman centurion. He brings in those mm -hmm. outside the covenant to let you know that there's a difference between a primary mission and a solo mission. He's not here just for the Jews. He's here for these as well. Yeah. yeah. So this, this, the, the demon, the demon's already gone. You know, the, the demon's gone. Now I, I'm, I can't reflect back and say, okay, looking into the future or futuristically thinking, I was saying, okay, there's going to come a time when they're trying to mimic what I'm doing, but it's not going to look like this. I can't, I can't do that because that I would be hatcheting the, the text, right. you know, and it would appear that I was hatcheting the text to a side. I try to, you know, I think it's clear. We do it all you, the time. You, you know, <laughs> and, um, but the reality is, and almost every time when there's, there's a miracle, the writer always lets us know that this thing happened. It happened immediately. It happened. Something in the text lets you know that it happened as opposed to what basically we see going on in our world today. This healing happened, but it happened to nobody you know, nobody, anybody you know knows, nobody, you know, it, it happened. And um, that's one thing. And then it, it, it happened gradually. There was a thing. There was this. Right. There was that. And then it it happened. Uh, um, you know, it, it was Jesus. You know, and and all the miracles that show up, just like here, the, the, they they came home and found that the demons already got. Well, home doesn't mean we, you know we took a day's journey back there because right. the girl was right over. We went around the corner. We went there. You said right. already. You know, this it, already happened, and it happened without. And remember, Jesus had told them at the very beginning, don't say anything you know, about mm -hmm. this. So he wasn't doing it to broadcast, okay, tell them I did this so the people can show right. up, which, 
which lets us know in the Hebrew text and when we move through into the First Testament, is that it's always about Jesus' presence is always there. He's always with us. Uh, we're going to come to feel it or know it through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. But here he's with you. When he's with you, the miracle is always there, if that makes sense. If okay. I'm not muddling the water, it's always there as opposed to a show. All, right. Although they it's, were, yeah, yeah. He, he went out of his way to never let it be a show. And that was, um, you know, he didn't even at the feeding of the 5,000 stand up and say, right, watch this. Yeah. He told the apostles, get, gather things together and you put them in groups and you distribute the food. Even though he was doing the miracle and the people obviously would have wondered where the food came from. Mm -hmm. Jesus seems like he didn't say a word about it. Uh, and again, the, the abundance of blessings that are in our own lives, um, Jesus doesn't have to show up every time saying, hey, that's me. You know, um, we know he makes these blessings flow and on the righteous and the unrighteous. But he takes special care of people. And he did tell us, he's the one that told us the parable saying, when you talk to my father and you ask for something, be like this persistent widow. Be like this woman that wouldn't leave a king alone. Just keep hammering heaven and don't stop. And I find that interesting because I had two older sisters. And every now and then, one of them would lean over and tell me how I should approach dad or mom because they'd had the experience <laughs> and it just tickles me that Jesus is leaning over and said now there's something about my dad <laughs> if you're going to casually pray he's going to casually think about it but if you just keep coming even though you have no standing you're going to get through and I like that I, I really do we're coming up toward the end of our 30 minutes and we've got about another five minutes to go uh, we're going to come, however, I want you to look at the context, if you would, please. Um, we have just had the feeding, which is, uh, you know, pretty exciting. And then we had the crossing of the water and then about what commands are we following. Then this hits. We're going to have another rather amazing healing. And then we're going to get into a miracle that shows us we have a problem trusting Jesus and that's the feeding of the 4,000 mm -hmm. so we're going to this is day before Thanksgiving so we're going to shut this down we're going to cut this off here give you a little bit of extra time and then next week we will run back at this again full bore All right. thank you Rick All right.